Warning, MF Uncensored contains adult language and discussion. Listener discretion is advised. We're a couple of misfits. We're a couple of misfits. What's the matter with misfits? That's where we fit in. We're not that being dilly. Don't go wrong with Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MF Uncensored. Don't forget, if you guys are listening to us on the go, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, basically anywhere you guys get your podcasts. You can also find us on our website, themisfitfaction.com. There you'll find links to not only this show, but our other shows like the Multiverse Fancast and Cinematic Adventures. You'll also find links to Rob's reviews, my articles, and our brand new Misfit Faction store, which does have a very nice MF Uncensored hoodie on that right now. So make sure you guys check that out. That's the misfitfaction.com. I am super excited uh, for this episode, guys. We have been uh, we've been looking forward to this one for a while. We recorded this one back in January, but this is with the Surviving Abuse podcast host, David Keck. David has been a huge, huge, huge supporter of us ever since we spoke to him a few months ago. It's with me and producer Melanie and his story is intense, guys. So this is your official content warning. I know we always do a content warning, but this one is it's intense, and David is, for us, he, he really is a hero for the thing that he went through and now the advocacy that he does, not only on his own show, Surviving Abuse, but also for, uh, he has a brand new show called True Crime Journals, which is fantastic, and with a good friend of ours, Ashley Lawson, who we also did an interview with. So make sure you guys check it out. I believe David has his 50th episode coming up, so make sure you guys give him a listen. Again, that's the Surviving Abuse podcast. Make sure you tell him that uh, we sent you and that we... Uh, we definitely mentioned you guys, him on the show and sent you guys uh, his way. But uh, before we get started, don't forget, guys, if you guys are looking to start your own podcast, maybe you guys have been listening to us for a while, or maybe you guys have always wanted to and you just don't know how to get started, if you guys go to podbean.com slash misfitfaction, you'll get a month of free podcasting on us. Again, that's a thank you to all of our loyal listeners for all the support that you guys have been giving us over the past couple of months. And also, if you guys are looking to start your own show, let us know. We're always looking to add new content to the Misfit Faction. So if you guys are looking to make your own uh, product, reach out to us. We'll get you started. We'll help you out and maybe even add you to the network. Or maybe you guys have your own business or uh, online service that you guys offer and you're looking to do some advertising. Guys, there are literally trillions of podcasts out there. And if you guys are looking to get your product or service out there, if you go to sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfitfaction, you'll get $100 worth of free advertising. Again, a thank you from us to you guys. And of course, I can't start an episode without talking about Raise Energy. Guys, we've been doing Raise Energy here at the studio for months now. We love them. We are a big fan of not only their energy drink Raise, but also their protein powder, their testosterone boosters, their clothing. We have a ton of different apparel from them. We're big fans of their stuff. So make sure you guys check out Raise Energy by Rep Sports. That's R E P P sports.com. And if you enter the code MISFIT88, excuse me, MISFIT89 at checkout, you'll get 20% off your order. So with all that being said, guys, after the break, we are going to get started with our interview with David Keck. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MF Uncensored. If you guys are listening to us on the go, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and if you ask your phone very nicely, they might even play it. I'm one of your hosts, Paul, and with me in the studio today is Melanie from Bibliophiles Assemble. Melanie, how are you today? I'm pretty good, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Producer Melanie, as she's officially known as in every single show that we do, producer. So we are super excited to have Melanie here with me today. We also have a very special guest from the Surviving Abuse podcast. This is Mr. David Keck. David, how are you today? 
Hey, great. How are you all? Oh, living, living the dream, right? Yeah, always. Always. <laughs> Rushing down here to make sure we were here on time and we were still two minutes late because we're late to everything. We're the, the worst married couple with stuff like that. Yeah, we have to give ourselves like 15 minutes to be late. So we have to leave extra early so we're on time. Yeah, but we figured out that that's how we trap ourselves, and we're still 42 minutes late. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Eventually, we'll get there. But uh, David, we're honored to have you on the show today. Just so you guys know, David and I have been emailing for almost like a month now trying to get this completely squared away. So we're super excited. So David, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am a 40-year-old gay man in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. So I'm in the South, which can sometimes be troubling in itself but we're, we're we're making strides we're getting there and i went through a life-changing experience seven years ago i was a victim of a hate crime mm-hmm. and i i am very blessed i have such an amazing supportive family i didn't know hate existed i heard about it i seen it on tv but i didn't know that i could be a victim of something so harsh so ugly mm-hmm. and it really brought my my experience really opened my eyes to what people go through i i know so many gay people that don't have the supportive family that would have went through what i went through and, and probably not recovered mm-hmm. or you know even turned to drugs and alcohol to try to find that escape and so i've made it my life goal to to try to bring awareness and change things. That's awesome. That's really great. Yeah, we we got to listen to a little bit of your podcast and it it's intense. It really is, but you know, it's something that that's so prevalent in today's world and so relevant and so important for people to hear, you know. It's like you said, we we don't always think about hate. We're like we know about it, but until, you know, an experience or something like that happens, you know, we can't really truly understand it so you know it, it's great to speak to you like really seriously i'm not trying to i'm not trying to kiss your ass or anything i was just very excited oh, my, my, excited myself to to talk to you today so tell us a little bit about your podcast how it started and what you kind of what your structure is for people who haven't heard it anything sure so i one thing that i can say about the state and what a lot of people don't actually know are the resources that are available to victims and even to you know the the maybe the the family or the or the spouses of and so i was very blessed that it i was set up with an amazing therapist and i'm such an advocate for therapists i think even the best therapists need a therapist yeah you're right (laughs) and i yeah and i got involved in a group therapy for sexual assault with men and one thing that i found very common and and kind of disturbing is that there's a thing of generational abuse and and you find that a lot with men because we're we're supposed to be strong and we're supposed to suppress everything and men can't be abused and and that that's definitely not the case it doesn't even have to be a man being abused by another man men are also abused you know by by females as mm-hmm. well and and they're taught to hide it and so they find other ways to escape it with drugs and alcohol and then one day they're triggered and they bust and it could be very bad for everybody Mm -hmm. involved and so i wanted to make a safe place for people to come and and bring awareness to themselves i 
have never mentioned my attacker's name in an interview or on my show, and I will not. It's not for him, it's for me. One thing that I do is I always offer, some people do it and some people don't, and that's totally fine, but I was, I had the option to read a victim's impact statement during, uh, once the sentencing and trial and everything was over. I was I couldn't even walk without a walker at the time. I, you know, was down to 98 pounds. I was still suffering from memory loss and brain trauma. So to be in this room with all these strangers and these intimidating people and my attackers, family and friends that could see me and recognize me intimidated the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I had a seven page letter that I had written about my journey, you know, that point, and the judge called me up to read it, and I was terrified. I was like, you know, what if I say something that makes his family or his buddies mad, and they find me to finish the job because this man's now going to prison? Mm -hmm. And so I folded up the paper, and I said, I can't do this. I just want to focus on the good, and I turned around, and I walked away. I regret that now. It's not that I necessarily regret it. It's, it's just I wish that... I could call the judicial system and say, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to do it mm -hmm. now. Put this man in a room and let me tell him what he has done to me. I wasn't ready then, and so now I feel a little robbed of that. So what, what I do is I offer the guest to write a story, to write a letter to their abuser, their attacker, to themselves, you know, whatever it may be and record themselves and and then send that to me and I use that as an, the introduction and that's kind of what I base my questions off of and that also gave me the opportunity the very first episode and intro to the podcast is me reading my victim statement that I wish I got to read seven years ago that, that's wow. incredible I love like that such a such a powerful thing you know it's it's like you said it can be very intimidating for somebody to to not only confront their attacker but also to confront the people in that attacker's lives because, you know, you never know what could happen afterwards. So to hear, mm -hmm. like, like I got chills just, yeah, just sitting I here. Did. I did too. So, David, I have a background as a forensic interviewer. I worked for a child advocacy center. And for about a year during COVID, which was just in and of itself difficult. But, you know, we have a service to do. And we have a service to, to provide. We have to help these kids. So one of the things that you just brought up, which, which kind of triggered me to think of a few cases that I worked on, was you weren't ready. You weren't ready to have that discussion. You weren't ready to read your letter. You weren't ready to face your attacker and their family members and friends and, and go into court. So one of the things in my training was that, you know, we need to give, we need to give the survivor time. And it might be a week, it might be a month, it might be, you know, I, I can't sit down with the child and say, you know, tell me about your experience. And they just sit there in silence because they're not ready. And that's nothing right. against the child or, you know, in this case, the adult. It's just they're not ready to have that conversation. And we shouldn't hold that against them because with therapy, with, you know, the proper support, they will be able to one day. And my heart just breaks that you weren't able to have that time because that, I think that is so important. You know, oh, I'm getting I'm getting chills. I'm getting a little. A little yeah. yeah, I'm getting a little just because. I've seen how it affects children and that's something that can carry with you, will carry with you on various degrees throughout your life. So, you know, and I think just as an adult, as a child, no matter if you're exposed at an early age or, or you know, now um, in adulthood, it's, it's something that is going to affect you. And I'm so happy to hear 
that there is somebody out there fighting for the survivors, fighting for justice. You know, you're giving the survivors their time by being able to write this letter and and sharing it with the world and sharing it on your podcast. And I, I, I can't thank you enough for that. You know, I, I haven't had any experience in that. Just, just being on the side, being on the front lines with survivors and, and talking to them and just seeing the pain. I'm, I'm an empath very much so. So I, you know, would take bits and pieces and, and just, and see the pain. It's a lot, you know, and it's more than I could ever really process with, with any amount of training, you know? So I just want to, you know, commend you for doing what you're doing because I think it's really amazing. And I think it needs to be out there more. And I will make sure that we promote you a lot because this is just something that I hold closely to my heart because I, you know, I've seen what it can do. Right. I think it's very important to let people know, and I'm sure in your line of work, you know this as well, but I was not the only victim from this man. You know, Mm -hmm. his mother and father, and he has children. He has, you know, a a, a lady that he was uh, engaged to, you know, they're all victims as well. And so even when some of the supporters, because my, my, my story became very public Mm -hmm. and the, the the media released the story based on the confession of my attacker because I was hospitalized. I wasn't able to talk. Mm-hmm. And so he told, he confessed in court that he lied about what actually happened to the police because he thought that they would go easier on him. He pretty much said that a gay man went to a straight bar, sexually propositioned him, and he beat them, beat them up. Come to find out that that's not the truth. But he was right that the police were easier on him. And it seems that there is more protection and more benefits to being the attacker versus being the victim. And that's just disgusting to me. It is. You know, it's you watch a lot of these documentaries and you hear, you know, Chris Watts. Well, it should be about Shanann and and Bella and Celeste and you know, and and so I want to just make sure that I give those victims a place to to tell their stories of how they survived. And mm-hmm. and and it's therapy, guys. It's therapy within for for me, you know, to each day. I get to hear another story that's just so inspiring and it keeps me going. And even having people email me, I had this, this straight man email me and said that he heard my story accidentally and he immediately thought that that is, could have been his brother. His brother's gay and he hasn't wow. talked to him in years mm-hmm. because his wow. brother's gay. And they actually now send me pictures of his brother and the fiance, the straight couple, mm-hmm. as well as his brother and his brother's partner at a drag show, you oh. know? And yeah, oh. so so I know that things are happening mm-hmm. and, and I'm so excited about that. You know, I, again, come from such a good loving family that I woke up one day after a very dark place. I went to a very dark place and I woke up one day and I thought, you know, there are so many people that don't have what I have. And in order for me to not let this be in vain, I can bring something good out of it. And what if I stopped 
something. And so mm-hmm. that's been my goal. And, and I want people to understand too, that I touch on every single form of abuse. My episode is not just about gay hate crime, three episodes based on race and, 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 and how that affects people. And I have episodes based on, you know, men being abused or, or, you know, sex addiction. Mm-hmm. There are just so many different forms of abuse that need to be talked about. And I think the way that we normalize things is to talk about it. And once we talk about it enough and it becomes normal, then we are okay with treating it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it's funny you say that. Um, Melanie and I have, have been on a journey of ourselves. We're very newly married about technically a year and a half, but mm-hmm. COVID weddings notwithstanding. Oh, wow. yeah. So, you know, we've, it wasn't until I met her that I really started to reevaluate my own personal, you know, issues and personal things, whether it involved therapy or, or just being honest. And, you know, I, I fully believe that, you know, men are treated, are, are expected to act a certain way. You know, you mentioned it earlier that men are expected to, to be tough and suppress everything and, you know, be the provider, the warrior, the this, the that. There's no reason that a man shouldn't be able to have an outlet, a healthy outlet, because unfortunately, today's culture really wants men to deal with your deal with your shit. Just do it, you know, not in front of other people, and mm-hmm. it leads to very unhealthy coping mechanisms. And and I was, you know, I I fell into that as a, you know, I'm a 34 year old male. It's it's tough, and it's only been more recently, and especially doing this. Just so you know, David, this show turned. This show started off as we have two other podcasts that are more like entertainment type podcasts, and we uh, we connected with Steve Joyner, who you know also connected me with you, and he's like, hey, you you have this, you have these people that want to tell stories, right? And we we racked our brains and we we're like, how do we create? How do we incorporate that into like we have a podcast about superhero TV shows and movies? <laughs> I don't know how well you fit on that that specific <laughs> niche, right? So we we racked our brains and we wanted to create this show as as an outlet, like, and just to hear people's stories. So like just just to, like I'm I'm literally sitting here, my hands are like tingly. I'm like I got the chills. Like it's just it's so impactful to talk to somebody and. Like, especially as, as a man, as a man, whether you're gay, straight, black, white, blue, I don't know, like to have that ability to talk to other people. So I wanted to ask you what, what was the most inspirational thing that you've heard or experienced since starting your show? Oh my gosh. I have had so many coming out stories where people have messaged me and said, you know, I've been terrified to come out. But this one lady, she said that she had been with her partner for several years, but her family didn't know that she was gay. So she, you know, was robbing her family of getting to know all of her. And she came over to have dinner and my story was on the news and sitting around the table, her family, was so supportive of it doesn't matter why would this guy do this even if david did sexually proposition this guy say you're not interested and walk away you don't mm-hmm. have to rape him and kill him you yeah. know and that's one of the things i say is i've been hit on by women and not one time have i thought i need to kill her mm-hmm. you know that's never crossed my mind i let her know that i'm not interested and then i if if i get uncomfortable i politely excuse myself the end done story over <laughs> you know but but she said that her family she was just overwhelmed with how supportive her family was and she turned to them and said i'm gay and they now have an amazing relationship with with her soon-to-be wife 
you know, the the race episodes were just so eye-opening to me because, you know, growing up, I had my best friend is a black man. Mm-hmm. And there were just conversations that his mother had to have with him that my mother has never had to have with me. Right. You know, he and I were walking outside to just play on the porch. You know, we're elementary school age. Mm-hmm. We're walking outside, just play on the porch, and we have on, you know, tank tops, like a wife beater or whatever. And his mother tells him, do not, please, and I'm telling you, do not walk off this porch of that wife beater. Mm-hmm. And that struck me a little strange. And then my mom's never told me that, you know, and I didn't know how to relate it to anything. And then, you know, it was brought to my attention that when a a black guy is walking down the street in a wife beater, that's known as a threat. Hmm. And it's an intimidation. And the mother was scared of that. My mother has never told me 10 and 2 when you get pulled over. She's never had to have that conversation mm-hmm. with me. So there was just all these things that that really just woke me to to help me even understand to and 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 help communicate with with my black friends you know and and to be and to have people reach out to me and tell me that you know they don't know how to talk to some of their gay friends about some things but i've helped them overcome that and and you know there's just so everyone has survived something Mm -hmm. and the point that i definitely want to make and hit hard is there is life after trauma Mm -hmm. and one thing that is very important for people to know is when when someone goes through something you cannot compare that journey to yours or anyone else's i've had people tell me david i've heard your story and i wouldn't feel right sharing my story on your show because it doesn't compare yes it does well no it doesn't because it doesn't need to yes you know it's still just as important what i went through is the hardest thing that i have been through it is my story mm-hmm. what you have went through is your hardest and that is your story. and i cannot take away from that and i want people to understand that you know that that is very important to me and and for people to to come and, and tell me that you know writing the letter that i've asked them to write and share took them you know two weeks to do it but it was the best thing that they could have done you know like it it just gives me the chills thinking about it you know like i i just i love what i'm doing i love what's coming out of it everybody is an inspiration every little thing has been inspiring and and it's just filled my heart I love that. I know. I'm looking at you. I'm, I'm like, I can feel you oh, over no, right every, next to me. Everything that you're saying, I'm like, yeah. And I want to like snap. I'm like, yes, everything. Yes. Like, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm just so blown away. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you can't compare trauma. Everyone's story is different. Paul's story is different than my story. My story is different than yours. And I think that's one of our society's biggest flaws is we always are in some sort of competition. Like, well, you know, you didn't go through this and, you know, I went through this and it was horrible. Yours isn't that bad. I think, you know, our society has a really, really big issue with that. And it's not, you know, you shouldn't compare things like that, especially trauma, you know, it out of all things. Um, and also how we handle it, how we come out of it. Yeah, it's not a competition. But also how we handle it, how we come out of it. Some people go through a very traumatic experience, whether it's, you know, abuse or assault, divorce, you know, and any sort of traumatic experience. And they just don't want to acknowledge the fact that it affected them so hard. And they Mm -hmm. carry that with them. 
And, you know, I think a lot of the older generations as well are so afraid of getting therapy. You know, ther- therapy is just your, your brain needs help. That's what it is. You go to the doctor, you go to a heart doctor to fix your heart. You go to a gastroenterologist, I think that's how you pronounce it. But you go, you know, if you have something going on with your GI tract, you go to a GI doctor. That is so funny that you say that because that's exactly what I tell people. If if your lungs are hurt, you go to a lung specialist. If yes. your heart is damaged, you go to a heart specialist. Mm-hmm. If your brain, which is very important, yes. if it's ill and needs, you go see a, spe- a specialist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's all that it is. I think... You know, the the stigma, the mental health, thankfully, you know, over the past two years, we've had a huge surge in, and it's on the front lines now. It's getting there. But I think you a know, lot I of people are still struggling. I always find something positive out of everything. And, you know, COVID has been hellacious for all of us. Mm-hmm. And, and, but one positive that I can definitely find with it is the, the, awareness it's brought to self-care and mental health yes. right yeah that's incredible like you know I'm, I'm still sitting here just kind of like just processing everything i'm, I'm not gonna lie there is one thing that i, I just wanted to address because i think it's it's actually kind of funny you said it you mentioned uh, being hit on by women or like you know the reaction like it's funny because melanie and i've gone out and like we've been hit on by everyone like it happens and we just think it's funny and like you know, like if a gay, if a gay man came up to me in the bar and I think this, this happened at the mall, yeah. um, we were walking into, uh, what, what's that store you love? Which one? Primark. Oh it's yeah. Primark. I, do, I do love Primark. <laughs> I was, we were walking in and I, and I had a pair of sunglasses on and, and a gentleman like just really nicely complimented it. And we were like, man, that's really nice. And then for the rest of the day, I was like, man, that compliment was really nice. And she's right. like, you, she's like, you know, yeah. he was hitting on you. I was like, well, I don't care. Yeah. Just, I think that's. That's the best way to come out of it. If someone, you know, of course there there are lines. If someone's crossing a line, then you know, oh yeah, do absolutely. Yourself and, yeah. But if someone offers you a compliment, regardless of of what they look like, who they are, it's just oh, thank you. Like that's a compliment that someone's acknowledging, you know, your beauty or your sunglasses or or anything like that. You know, I don't. Everyone's so defensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I understand think... why everything has to be sexual, right? right. Yes, so if, if I saw someone and I was like, you know, wow, like you look really nice. I can tell like you take care of your physique. Like mm-hmm. they're going to think, oh, he wants to sleep with me. Odds yeah. are that, pr- that probably hasn't crossed my mind. It's just mm-hmm. something about you has drawn me to you that has yes. maybe inspired me or motivated me. Maybe it, maybe I looked at you and thought, you know what? Because of COVID, I have gained a little bit of weight. Maybe, maybe now it's time for me to do a crunch or two. You know, sometimes <laughs> it's, it's just that simple. Yeah, it's not, I, not everything has to be sexual. And that's, I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about all of my, my issues with society and <laughs> things like that. Right. But you just, I don't think it needs to be sexual, you know, your your experience, you know, I'm not gonna try to kill somebody because they, you know, they're they're talking to me and they make me feel uncomfortable. I'm, you know, I'm not interested. Thank you. When I was, you know, when I was in college and going out, and there were a lot of instances where I would go out with a group of my girlfriends and guys, you know, would would kind of congregate and who's you know trying to grab my wrist and and who's trying to talk in my ear and get in my personal space and I've had to have those conversations like you need to back right. up. I don't know what you're doing. Like, please don't touch me. And if it ever became an instance where I was uncomfortable because someone was 
constantly coming in my space, regardless of, of saying, you know, no, please stop. I thankfully had a nice support group with me that would kind of handle it. I, I have, I have one friend who, who did experience sexual assault and it, you know, she, she believed she was drugged by the bartender and you know, her, her experience, she didn't deal with it for a long time. And she, she worked out excessively just to kind of feel stronger. So she wouldn't fall into, you know, a a trap basically is what she, what she called it. And, and even that became, you know, that became an issue because she was working out so much. Mm -hmm. It was an obsession. It was how she dealt with it, but it was, it became unhealthy. So it wasn't, you know, like she turned to drugs or alcohol. It was I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work out and I'm going to work out two, three times a day. And it's, it's, it's scary, you know, to see that happen to somebody and not really know why, because it took her a long time to, to really deal with it. And she finally got in therapy and she was able to kind of process everything that happened and, and take the proper, you know, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, Steps. Yes. Sure. Yeah, sure. We'll go with steps. She was she was able to to work through it and work towards her healing. And it just it mm-hmm. just the fact that someone could can do that to somebody, like just blows my mind because I I, per, I would never even think of of harming somebody on on such a level. And if we bump into each other while we're sleeping in bed, we wake up and apologize to know, each like, other. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like oh sorry. <laughs> But I just, I, your story, I'm just, I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm, I'm going to keep saying I'm so thankful, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm so thankful that we have you here and we're able to talk to you about this because it is such a big issue that, you know, is still kind of classified as like taboo. You don't talk about it. You don't, you right. know, you don't talk about it. And just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know, it's funny when, when you first sent me an email and literally you like the email, it, it said trigger warning and it detailed like your entire story. <laughs> First thing I did was I took a screenshot of it and I sent it to Melanie. I was like, we got to get this guy on the show. Like we, this is, we, we're not like a social justice platform. We are just, we're storytellers and we're story listeners. And, you know, to hear, you know, it, as soon as I read it, I was immediately like, this is the kind of person that we want to talk to. So a question that I have, if you could give yourself advice and one piece of advice after this event happened, what would it be now that you've experienced so much? The advice that I would give myself is things are going to get better. Mm -hmm. It was very important to me to find the ways to gain back control and, but in a healthy way. And so, so the, the advice to me would be search for those healthy ways to bring back that control to where you feel like you're driving your own car again. Mm-hmm. There was so much negativity that came with it. Again, with it being public, people had ugly things to say. You know, the, the first week that it happened, my um, attorney by the courts had to run this Facebook report to get all my messages. And I had... I, and it's roughly, I can't remember the exact numbers now, but it was like within a week, like 3000 messages sent just from Facebook. Oh, wow. Wow. And 250 ish of them were negative. But when you think of the span of 3000, that's not bad. But of course those negative ones are the ones that are going to stick with you. Of course. But the part that was scary is 50 ish of them were death threats of people saying I would do the same thing if I find this guy I'll finish the job 
people were driving, like I kind of became famous in a small town. People would drive by my house and take pictures to, to the, and the death threats were so severe at points that cops were having to be at every entrance and exit of my family's home, mm-hmm. you know, just to make sure that we were protected. And I was letting the negativity get to me. I got down. I've never been a big guy. I I think I weighed like 130 pounds. Then I got down to 98 pounds to the point of I would go to the doctor and they would think that I was on drugs because I looked like a skeleton. Mm -hmm. I let this person steal my joy. Mm-hmm. And I have now changed my mindset on that. He didn't steal it. It was just on hold for a little bit. But, you know, I used to be, a, well, I mean, I still am. I'm a loud dresser. I would, the bar that he saw me at was a bar that we always went to. And I, it was mostly a straight bar, but it was a karaoke bar and everyone knew my name and I knew everybody. And I would get on stage and sing Shania Twain, man, I felt like a woman. And yes. the guys would sing along <laughs> with me and buy me a beer after, you know, like yeah. it, it was nothing. He was not mm-hmm. a regular at this bar, you know, mm-hmm. but I stopped doing that. I stopped doing the things that I liked because I mm-hmm. thought if I wear a bright colored shirt, if I fix my hair a certain way, if I, someone is going to want to hurt me. I walked into a room and someone saw me and they didn't like the way that I talked. They didn't like my confidence. They didn't like the bright colors I wore or the songs I was singing and they wanted me dead. And, and so I started trying to hide in shadows a little bit, but that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I just want people to, to know that, you know, there, there is life after trauma and that's what I would want to, if I was able to, remind myself of that years ago, you know, I would have. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So we're running a little low on time. So the last question I always like to ask when we have a guest on is what's next? What are the goals for the next couple of months, for the next year? Where are we going to see David Keck and the Surviving Abuse podcast go? Yeah. So we just started uh, season two and it's going really well. I am brand new to TikTok. I'm trying to do what all the young kids do. I'm not good at it yet. It's same so here. Hard. Yeah, same here. It's so hard. Who would have thought? I know. I know. I'm like getting my 16 year old nephew and I'm like, how do I do this? <laughs> but we, I, I've had a couple of organizations reach out to me about doing some public speakings and I've got some live radio shows coming up that I'm really excited about. So, so the words growing. I got with an actress named Ashley Lawson and another gentleman named Ben. Uh, You all know Ashley? I know Ashley. We have her interview. We did her interview maybe three weeks ago. It's coming Mm -hmm. out in February. Yeah, Yeah. she's amazing. So she was on my show and we hit it off and we were talking about true crime and she was like, I've always wanted to do true crime. So I got with my buddy Ben because we were talking about doing a true crime documentary, you know, or podcast based on documentaries. Mm -hmm. And but in the highlight of the victims. Okay. And so uh, we contacted Ashley the next day and she agreed. And so we have now released the True Crime Journals podcast. It's on all the platforms. We are all three a host. So each week we one of us will present a story. We've covered like the Matthew Shepard case. We've covered the, the the Watts case, and we also try to focus on some of the local cases, and it's doing really well. So what's coming in the future is just a bunch of podcasting. I love it, man. Like that, That's, that's awesome. I, Ashley didn't even tell me, man. I missed her by three <laughs> weeks. That would have been great to know oh, beforehand. Wow. Yeah, yeah, y'all have to check it out. She's 
she's amazing. We just fell in love. I'm like, gonna have to I send her an email and be like, "Hey, right. come on now. Now I got to get you guys back on the show together. Yeah, like that would be, be awesome. even yeah, more fun." Your friend ben, yeah. yeah, seriously, you have an open invitation anytime yeah. you want to collaborate or be on the show or just you know send us anything. Like seriously, this was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Very, it's not very often that we get such chills like mm-hmm. during a podcast and just feel that that really nice connection. So. Anytime you want to be on the show or anything like that, can we find you on social media? Are you all over that too? Oh, yeah. The best landing pl- uh, platform would be my website, which is uh, survivingpodcast.com. And that'll give you all the links to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And it has all the links to uh, my shows. And I'm on all the platforms. So Love I it. should be pretty easy to find. Yeah, you're going to awesome. you're gonna also find some invites from us on all that social media probably yes. in the next 14 yes. minutes or so. Yes. But, well, uh, and then let me throw out, I know we're short on time, but let me throw yeah. out that, man, as soon as you started talking, I was like, why doesn't my voice sound like that? <laughs> like, I would, like my boy, I sound like Fran Drescher. So why people listen to me for hours at a time, I have no idea. Well, you know what? But- I, I can honestly tell you it's because you are truly inspiring. And, and I mean that oh. from the bottom of my heart. Yes. Um, it's one thing to have a great podcasting voice. My mom says I have a face for radio still, but um, <laughs> uh, like you, you talk to somebody and just immediately like you you engaged us. We like and you're the guest too. Like we're supposed to be the ones keeping the show like moving and and all together. But like the second you started talking, both my wife and I are sitting here like, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thanks. Well, David, it was our pleasure. It was our honor to have you on. We yes. hope to do it again mm-hmm. soon. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. Have a Thank great rest you. of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Man, producer Melanie. Wow. Wow. Just wow. Uh, What an incredible person. What an incredible story. We're definitely going to have to check out his uh, his true crime podcast as well. I am very upset that, you know, it's funny because I follow Ashley on on Instagram through the Misfit Faction mm-hmm. page. You can also find us on Instagram, Misfit Faction. But, and I saw something about that and just what what cosmic kismet is it that we talked to talk to david the exact same like week that they launched this this podcast that's that's crazy because we do have our interview with ashley that's um in the pipeline because for those of you guys who don't know we record episodes weeks if not months in advance so Mm -hmm. sometimes it's it's really funny how that works out we're in the in the interim something else has come out and we're like well we got to talk to them again now i know but i think that's really cool because we can have follow-up conversations and kind of touch base with them and see what's going on and what's new and, you know, being able to establish these relationships with, with these people who we normally wouldn't have met even, mm-hmm. I think is pretty cool. So, woohoo. Woohoo. Woohoo, woo-hoo indeed. indeed. Well, this was fantastic. This was a blast. Again, still still chills. Like, my hands are clammy. Like, like it really it really hit hard because, you know the the whole point of MF Uncensored, like I said, is is storytelling and telling people stories and to to get the like we'll do the fun episodes and we'll do the inspirational episodes like this and it's just such a, a blast to do and we're so grateful that producer Melanie was able to be on the show today. Woot 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 woot! I think everybody should comment how much they want her back on the show over and over again and annoy her. But, what 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 but producer melanie how can people find you on the old social media don't you have like a little a little thing that you do I just, I just have a little something that i'm doing you can find me on bibliophiles assemble on instagram i am in the process of writing a lovely review for one of our sponsors neil getzlow 
his book Unmasked. You can find it online. You can find it through our website as well. So I'm in the process of doing that. I'm very excited. By the time this drops, I probably will already have it posted. So be sure to check it out. Comment, like it, share it, all the things. High five it. I don't know. I mean, you can I don't try know to social media it. anymore. You can't really... You can't really high five on Instagram. Just make a TikTok? Did you? Yeah, I think you tried. Is that how you do it? No, it's not. Dang it. No, it's okay though. It's okay. But you can also find us online, themisfitfaction.com. You can also find us on Facebook at The Misfit Faction. There you'll find links to all of our shows, including the Multiverse Fancast and Cinematic Adventures. You can also find us on Instagram. It's not nearly as good as Bibliophiles Assemble, but The Misfit Faction, you'll constantly see us posting each other's stuff and sharing it. So yeah, this was this was incredible. So I want to thank producer Melanie again for being on. As always, I'm Paul. And I'm Melanie. And we'll be back next week.